On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, is Michigan's Kobe Bufkin the ideal target for the Raptors at number 13? I think he just might be. We'll get into a why on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, May the 25th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, join the Locked On Raptors Discord server. It's super fun. If you have ever wanted to like talk about the Raptors on the internet, Without getting screamed at, without it being like a very toxic environment and place, coming out in the Locked On Raptors Discord. Plenty of disagreement going on in there, but it's like friendly, nice disagreement and uh, lots of agreement as well. So jump on in there. It's a wonderful little community we're building around the show. If you are a supporter of the show, if you're an everyday listener of the show, the Discord is the place to be. The link is in the description of the podcast. Uh, also... We uh, encourage you to go and check us out on YouTube. Please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's free to do. We are also on all the podcast apps. So thanks in advance for supporting, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Okay, on today's show, we're kicking off a series of individual player profile episodes ahead of the 2023 NBA Draft. A lot of guys in the potential range for the Raptors at number 13, and we will begin to go through those guys one by one, sort of combining the expertise of the people who watch these guys all year long and are infinitely smarter than me. I am no scout. I am not professing to be one, but we'll take the stats and sort of what they, I think they're telling me, what the experts are saying, and the sort of little dalliances into watching the film of these guys. Shout out to all the wonderful YouTube channels out there that are putting out uh, just like three-hour smash cuts of all of the highlights of a guy from a season. Um, you know, that, I believe it's uh, NBA... Hardwood Hoops Central. That's where I keep on finding all these videos. They're awesome. Um, so shout out to them. I Either way, uh, we're going to dig into all of that, take all the information we have and sort of my own philosophies and opinions on the draft and come up with uh, a list of these guys. By the end, we'll have like a big board, I think, of sort of my personal rankings of who I'd like to see the Raptors draft at number 13. And we'll begin today with Kobe Bufkin, the combo guard out of Michigan, who's been a big riser over the course of the last year in the draft, came in as a sort of, not like, kind of a bit of a slept-on player on Michigan. Lots of other, you know, Jet Howard, obviously, big-time NBA prospect over there, uh, was not viewed at the start of the season. Bufkin wasn't as, like, the best player on the Michigan team. I think by the end of the year, he kind of established himself as just that, and probably the best NBA prospect on that Michigan team as well. Um, after kind of a quiet freshman season, he was quite good in year number two, at Michigan, averaged 14 points a game, four and a half boards, 2.9 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, so two total stocks per game, not bad, 57.8 true shooting, uh, he's a 6'4 combo guard, 6'8 wingspan, pretty slight, 187 pounds, um, and we're going to dig into him today as to sort of the reasons why he may or may not fit with the Toronto Raptors, and I'll say this off the top, 
I know we're starting. This is like the first guy we're digging into, but I think I'm ready to say just sort of from all I've dug into as far as guys at 13, I think Kobe Bufkin is the guy you should want the Raptors to get at 13. The Raptors badly need shooting, guard play, shot creation, and there are a ton of guys in this draft in the Raptors range. Someone's going to fall to the Raptors at 13 who has those skills available. Jordan Hawkins, we'll talk about him. Keontae George, Nick Smith Jr., Kaysen Wallace, on down the list. There are a lot of guys who scratch the itch the Raptors roster badly needs scratched right now. But I don't know if any of them combines all of those things. Guard play, shooting, uh, a little bit of defensive punch as well, uh, and some shot creation, some scoring at the rim, rim pressure. Like Buffkin kind of has most of these boxes ticked. More boxes probably than any of the other guys we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. So apologies to start out with like the big ticket one, but I feel really good about Kobe Buffkin if he were to end up with the Toronto Raptors. Um, you know, I, I think sort of reading into some of the expertise, experts and their sort of thoughts on Bufkin, there seems to be a consensus that there aren't a ton of weaknesses with his game. And that's honestly, when I'm going into the draft process and I'm sort of using my puny, non-schooled brain on uh, trying to figure out which of these guys I believe in and which ones I don't. And like, ultimately, I could be very, very wrong. The draft is very, very much voodoo in a lot of ways, and it's hard to pin down, especially for someone who parachutes in for a month before the draft each year. But... Um, the, the, the sort of thing I look for is what are the weaknesses these guys have? What are the glaring holes that say, ooh, this could be a bit of a red flag at the NBA level? And the beautiful thing about Bufkin is there aren't that many that the experts seem to have in mind. You know, Raphael Barlow, uh, Richard Stamen, our two wonderful folks over at Locked on NBA Big Board, pulled from a lot of their work sort of putting this episode together. Both of them seem to think there's a pretty high floor here for Bufkin and that he's not going to be the type of guy who has like a glaring weakness that plays him off the floor that he should be a pretty playable player regardless of what the upside ends up being. And that, for me, is always what I'm looking for. Like, I, I know at 13, there's like, you know, the, oh, you can go get a star, go get some upside. Like, upside's nice and all, but at the state the Raptors are in, where they just need players who can contribute meaningful minutes, give me a guy like Bufkin, who doesn't have a lot of distinguishable weaknesses, has a lot of things that could sort of scale up to be star level skills and see if your player development can kind of finish out the rest of the product for a guy who's going to come in and probably be an NBA player for quite some time. And I, and I, I just think the skills that Bufkin brings to the table, the three-point shooting, again, 35.5% from three this season, uh, pretty solid, you know, a big uptick from his freshman year, I shot 54.6% on twos. That matters. Like, that is important. The Raptors have had a lot of trouble scoring easy twos. Um, and, you know, they've gotten a little bit better at it as they've kind of gone in on the Yak Pirtle thing. Yak is like a 65% shooter, so, and all of them are twos for him. So, like, that helps in the two-point game a little bit, but... When it comes to their guards, they don't get a ton of rim pressure. They really, really struggle with it. We've seen it with Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. Kobe Bufkin gets to the line. Not to the line, sorry. Well, that's an issue we'll talk about in a sec. But he gets to the rim, um, and he scores really well at the rim. He shot 67% at the rim this season. That is something the Raptors could badly use. He's also, I think, someone who's going to play really well off of others. Like, yes, he is a combo guard. He played point guard at Michigan for much of this past season, but... When you watch the, the 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 clips of him, you know he's got a lot of ability to kind of relocate off the ball. He's a really good cutter, kind of punches the gap really quickly when there's an opportunity. Um, and and I think you know playing off of a guy like Scotty Barnes, Kevin O'Connor wrote this in the Ringer Draft Guide that Kobe Bufkin would play really well off of an offensive hub. 
I don't think the Raptors have an offensive hub just yet. Pascal can do it for stretches. Jakob Pertl can run things from the elbow, and there's some pretty interesting stuff we've already seen with a good cutter in OG Ananobi and the way that he plays off of Jakob Pertl. Throw in Kobe Bufkin, maybe that's another guy you can kind of weaponize Pertl's playmaking with, pull him away from the basket a little bit more so there's less of a clogged interior. All that's there. But obviously, Scotty Barnes is the guy on this team who you think is probably going to end up being the closest thing to an offensive hub one day just because of his playmaking, because of the way he surveys from the middle of the floor. There's a lot of upside there of Scotty having you know some hub ability to him. And if you can run Kobe Bufkin around off screens, working off of actions that Scotty Barnes is involved with, I feel like there could be a pretty good connection there. And I think just in general... The type of player who I think is really going to fit well with Scotty Barnes long term. I think anyone with shooting obviously is important because he himself is not a shooter. But anyone who is just good as an off-ball guy, who can cut, who can scurry around, who can relocate on the three-point arc, like those are the types of players that are going to fit really nicely with Scotty Barnes going forward, I'm thinking. And Kobe Bufkin really checks a lot of those boxes. Um, you know... Shooting for crazy upsides, nice, but it's super risky, and I would much rather have a guy like Bufkin, who just seems like he's got real NBA skills that are going to translate pretty quickly uh, and effectively. And, you know, I also don't think he's without upside either. He does a lot of things really well, does Bufkin, to maybe indicate that there's some star potential there as well. And we will get into the stuff that he does well, and maybe the stuff that needs some work for Bufkin coming up in the next segment of the show. Before we do that, however, I've got to tell you about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Just like when you're building a championship team, when you're putting your car together, having the right fit for all the right parts is essential. you got to have that perfect fit. Otherwise, you're in trouble. It's the same when it comes to your car as it is with a championship team. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your car to my garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit. And if it doesn't, your money back, baby, because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 100 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply all right, let's continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Shout out to the everydayers tuning into the show. If you are an everyday listener of the podcast, again, always love to hear from you. Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the Discord channel if you're in there. Uh, love to get a running list of the people who are everydayers so we can go and get you some help. Um, very much love that you decided to tune in every day. And hopefully these next stretch of, of episodes digging into these individual players are useful for you. You find something good out of them uh, and uh, they make you even more of an everydayer if you are already all right let's get to it now Kobe Bufkin the things he does well things he does maybe not so well I, I think the list of things he does well a lot longer than the list of stuff that's maybe a little bit concerning and as far as things to like about Kobe Bufkin I mean number one on the list of course he's a lefty baby we love lefties they're super cool uh and like the Raptors I feel like have had a noticeable dearth of lefties over the years. Uh, so that's, you know, reason number one. Obviously, you move up, you trade up to number two and get Kobe Bufkin because he's a lefty, of course. Um, 
ultimately, as far as like real tangible things that are to like about Kobe Bufkin, um, number one, dude scores like shot 55% on twos this past year. Um, you know, definitely right now more of a two guard than a point guard. And, you know, for the Raptors, having that scoring punch seems like something they could certainly use. Obviously, Bufkin's not going to come in and be a starter right away. I would be shocked if that happens, if the Raptors were to take him. Uh, but for a Raptors bench that sorely needs playmaking and scoring, that didn't quite get that out of Gary Trent Jr., and Gary Trent Jr. may be on his way out of town at this point, uh, you know, replacing that with Kobe Bufkin, obviously Bufkin's not going to be the refined player that Trent is now. It takes time for these things. He's 19 years old. He's one of the younger players in the draft, despite being a second-year college player as well. Uh, it won't be 20 until after the draft. Um, you know, with Bufkin, I think it, it, it's just the the fit seems really nice with the stuff he does. The way he moves off the ball doesn't need to have the ball to be effective. And again, the rim scoring is really encouraging. 67% at the rim this season. And of the 369 field goals he attempted this year at Michigan, 141 of them came at the rim. That's 39% of his shots coming at the rim for a guy who is 6'4", and who the knock on him right now is that he's pretty slight and not very strong. And so you, know, you just compare that. Like 12% of Fred Van Vliet's shots came at the rim this year. Gary Trent Jr., 11.7% of his shots came at the rim this year per basketball reference. It's pretty significant that Kobe Bufkin at his size is able to get to the rim as often as he does. And it's not like he's going there and is without ideas. He's shooting 67% or shot 67% at the rim this past year with Michigan, which is really encouraging. Like that is uh, that's, that's, that's a notable stat. I believe I was scrolling through um, the synergy numbers. I don't have the synergy numbers, so I'm just pulling what other experts are saying. Uh, I think it was from the box in one sub stack. Uh, apologies if I'm getting this incorrect, but they shared around the, the percentiles for uh, different areas of scoring for Kobe Bufkin this past year per synergy. 92nd percentile Kobe Bufkin was among scorers at the rim. That's real. That's something to really kind of grow on as like a baseline skill to move on from there. You know, he averaged three assists a game, 1.9 turnovers, kind of adopting the um, the the sort of the, the, the role of being the point guard for, for Michigan this season. And so that's really encouraging that he was able to, you know, it's not like the best turnover, assist to turnover ratio in the world, but for someone who's just kind of getting his feet wet in the position, not bad. You'll take it. Shot 85% from the free throw line as well. And again, that 35.5% from three is really encouraging too. I, I think there's a lot to like here with Kobe Bufkin. On defense, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of effort there with, with Kobe Bufkin. That's sort of one of the, the expertise, um, or not the, the experts' thoughts on Kobe Bufkin um, is that he's got a lot of energy. He's going to try no matter what. And despite being 6'4 and kind of slight, uh, is still going to be able to make impact plays for you on defense. I think watching back some of his highlights, and not even highlights, just like the, the, you know the, the great little mashups you get are both positive and negative plays that Bufkin was out there for. Um, it's a pretty good full picture watching two and a half hours of a guy. Um, you know, when you dig into some of those, you see a lot, I, I think, of Bufkin really kind of getting skinny, fighting over screens, which I think has been a problem for Fred Van Vliet the last couple of seasons. Obviously, it's not Gary Trent Jr.'s greatest skill in the world either. Um, Bufkin feels like he's going to be able to kind of battle through those screens, fight over, make it so you can kind of alleviate the pressure on Jakob Pertl as the big man in pick and roll coverage. That sounds pretty great to me. And it just, there's a this sort of like, 
tenacity it feels like with Bufkin, especially when he's like sitting in front of a guy. He's got the the, the feet to shuffle, stay in front of dudes, and a lot, a lot, a lot of examples of him providing really good contests at the rim on drives, um, making it so like he doesn't need the big man to bail him out at the time. He's very good at funneling towards the big man as well, just from the stuff I've watched as well, um, which is a useful skill when you have Yak a Pirtle. I mean, funneling people towards Yak is going to be kind of spelling doom for whoever has the ball in their hands most of the time. That's great. Um, but also, he can kind of do it himself and stick in front of a guy and contest. He averaged 0.7 blocks a game as a 6'4 guard in his second season in college. I mean, that feels like something to grow on as well. Um, you know, I think there's a lot there. You know, 1.3 steals as well. And this, I think, is where you kind of get into the negative side of Kobe Bufkin, which is the the sort of knock against his defense. He's a little bit gambly when it comes to his defense at times. He can kind of get outside of... And honestly, it doesn't sound dissimilar to Gary Trent Jr. Like, the aggression and the forcing turnovers are a positive thing that he brings to the table. But at times, he can kind of get caught gambling. A couple of the clips you, t- you take a look at on that wonderful Hardwood Hoop Central smash cut of all his clips. And, you know, he can kind of jump for a steal or sort of even like fake at jumping the passing lane and get out of position. Then he's kind of scrambling to get back and it leaves his big man kind of open in the back end. Um, you know, that's stuff that happens, right? These are young players. They're making mistakes. Those aren't things I'm too concerned about. The fact that he tries really hard despite his stature and has some counting stats for a guy his size as well, two stocks a game, um, that to me is really encouraging when it comes to his defense. When you get into some of the other sort of negatives, honestly, Size and strength, that's like the big one, right? He's 187 pounds, he's 6'4". You look at him, he looks kind of like a beanpole. I don't know if that's that much of a red flag for me because it seems like despite not being strong and beefy, he's able to finish really effectively around the rim and kind of get to his spots without much concern. And it's not like he's having trouble meandering through the half court and getting to the positions where he's going to have success. He's got a really quick first step. He can get, again, sort of punch through those gaps. He's a nice cutter. A couple really great examples of him kind of catching it on the run in transition and just like, boom, zoom to the bucket. Really nice finishing there. Um, You know, and, and again, he's 19. We always have these issues. Oh, no, the guy's really slight and and limber and lean. Oh, what's going to happen in the NBA? What happens is guys are adults and they grow into their bodies and they tend to sort of scale up strength-wise. And more often than not, these strength concerns for guys aren't super massive concerns at the NBA level. And so... I'm not because he through being a small of stature guy right now is still able to finish at the rim the way he does get to his looks the way he does uh, and, you know, affect the game defensively the way he does. Like, I'm not concerned and I feel like he'll fill out and it will be just fine. And so and again, this could be foolish. I don't know his biomechanical data and all that crap, but um, just sort of looking at the way history has kind of gone with these smaller guys, typically just as you mature, you get into an NBA regimen, um, you're working with NBA trainers, you have an NBA chef making you food, all this stuff. Like, guys tend to bulk up, and that becomes less of a concern. The other sort of drawback that uh, Raphael Barlow and Kevin O'Connor both kind of indicated here, pull-up game can be a little bit inconsistent for, for Bufkin, and his uh, sort of shot selection at times can be a little bit suspect when he is working that pull-up game. You know, 
that's not ideal, obviously, but for a, a team that badly needs some sort of pull-up game, um, I think he shot 37% on pull-ups per Kevin O'Connor. I think he detailed that stat in his draft guide piece on Bufkin. Um, you know, there, there's it's not great. It's not amazing by any means on 37% on pull-up twos or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, it, it's... The fact that he's willing to go there and can get to those spots to take those shots, I think is something the Raptors could badly use. And even if you don't use Buffkin as like an on-ball creator early in his career, the off-ball stuff he does, he doesn't need the ball to be a successful, impactful, effective player, which is really encouraging. So... Yeah, the, the drawbacks, they it's almost like going into uh, like a, a, a job interview and being like, my weaknesses are I work too hard and I care too much. It's kind of how I feel about the weaknesses that Buffkin has. It's like, yeah, the size and strength, sure, but like you're still doing just fine through the size and strength issues that you have right now as a 19-year-old that'll probably go away. And yes, maybe your mid-range game is a little bit erratic and consistent, a little bit suspect in terms of shot selection, but... I mean, the Raptors turned out they badly needed that kind of shot chart from Gary Trent Jr. at times. Like, you need that stuff. You need bailout guys. You need guys who are willing to take those shots. And you would hope that over time, he builds up those skills and and improves as a mid-range guy. He's 19 years old. These guys are not finished products by any means. The fact that he can get to those looks is, to me, enough to be pretty encouraged about his long-term upside as a sort of self-creating guard who can kind of make things happen from nothing. Um Richard Stamen, our pal Mavs draft over at Lockton NBA Big Board, he also notes here that the sort of swing skill for Bufkin to go from being like useful kind of do-it-all combo guard is the point guard skills. If they can come along even further, if he can master the playmaking, master the surveying the floor, the pocket passes, all that stuff the point guard's got to be good at, then that takes him from pretty good player with high floor to, oh, this guy could be an all-star. And obviously... You know, you can't bank on that stuff happening. It's a really hard set of skills to learn. It takes guys years, and you'll see plenty of players. I think Zach Levine, for example, kind of thrown into being a point guard on that Wolves team a few years back and really struggling with it. And then, you know, he was he benefited from it later. He's not like a, a lead guard, you know, point guard type right now. He can go and create for others sometimes, but, um, you know, some guys it just doesn't quite click, and you can't just turn a guy into an excellent point guard, but... It does feel like Bufkin, at the very least, is going to be the kind of combo guard that every team needs that's going to come in and give you some buckets while also not taking away from things on defense, which is oftentimes the trouble you can find with these combo guard types is, all right, they can go score. They can be a microwave guy, but can they defend it all? Can they be on the floor in an important game? And it seems like Bufkin profiles of the type of guy who will be there. So again, not a whole lot to dislike if the Raptors are to go and take Kobe Bufkin at 13. The problem is... Will he even be there for the Raptors at 13? And that is a bit of a dubious question right now. We'll get into why that is and why he's been rising up boards over the last year or so and the teams in front of the Raptors who could potentially jump at Bufkin, where he's being mocked in other drafts. We'll get to that in a sec. Before we do that, however... Locked an NBA big board, baby. It's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. You've got Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Leif Thulin over there doing a wonderful job. They were at the Combine. Raphael's got connects all around the industry. He had an interview with Case and Wallace a couple weeks back. We'll talk about Wallace. I think we're going to talk about Case and Wallace tomorrow because I love Case and Wallace almost as much as I love Kobe Bufkin. So we'll get into him tomorrow. Um, but if you want to prepare yourself for that Case and Wallace episode, go listen to Raphael Barlow's interview with the man himself, who Raphael on this show two weeks ago mentioned that he was the video guy for Case and Wallace's fifth grade basketball team. 
you want to go, you're going to want to go and check that out. So Locked on NBA Big Board, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, go check them out. All right, let's round out the show here today by asking the simple question, will Kobe Bufkin, who I think is maybe the dream target for the Raptors at 13, even be there for the Raptors at 13? And that I feel like is a little bit more of an uncertain notion than it might have been even a couple months ago. I mean, at the start of the year, I remember reading a 2024 NBA draft piece about how that draft stinks mostly. Um, But with Kobe Bufkin being mentioned as a 2024 draft guy, it was not even a consensus like opinion that he was going to come out into the NBA this year. And so he's been a riser for that reason. You know, he came in after a pretty light shooting and pretty quiet freshman year at Michigan and took over and became basically the best player of that team by the end of the season. So over the course, you get more tape on, you know, tape of good hoop out there with Bufkin involved. Like that is going to help you go up boards. And I also just think like his skill set is a desirable skill set for any basketball team. As we've seen, like offense matters, having self-creation matters, having guys who can bail you out late in the clock matters. And having all those skills in a guy who can actually be on the floor defensively in a big-time moment, that's a rare thing to find. And it seems like Bufkin might project as the type of guy who can be that. And so, yeah, you're seeing him right now mocked at number 10 for both Raphael Barlow and Kevin O'Connor's mock drafts right now to the Mavericks. You know, the Mavs are kind of a wild card here because they should probably be trading that pick to, like, make their team less... Uh, bad in order to keep Luca happy, um, but maybe that's short-sighted. They're, everything they do is short-sighted, though, so it wouldn't blow me away if they traded that pick. I know on our NBA mock draft we did on Lockdown, which you'll get uh, all the details for uh, coming up very soon, um, you know, Nick Angstad, our pal at Lockdown Mavs, was trying to trade the 10th pick back to the Nets for Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, it's very real chance they trade that pick, and so you don't really know what team will end up sliding in there and if they'll have an incentive to go and draft a guy like Bufkin. Um, and you know, there's a couple other teams there that are concerning the jazz. Certainly. I, I think just speaking with our pal, David Locke over at lockdown jazz, it seems like they're going to target a guard early in the draft as well with their, one of their top picks. Uh, they have like a million picks it seems this year, but, uh, or for the coming years, but, uh, they don't have a ton of guard play right now, right? Like they got Larry marketing, they got Walker Kessler. They're probably going to want to pair those guys with a guard and Kobe Bufkin could be the type. Maybe they want more of a traditional point guard type and they go for a case in Wallace, but, um, or a Keontae George perhaps, but they, they certainly could be a team that Bufkin will be a good fit on, even though Colin Sexton's kind of there. I don't know if they're going to bring back Jordan Clarkson. It would probably be good if they, we get indications that Clarkson will be back. Um, cause that might mean there's less of a need for a two guard in Bufkin and he might slip a little bit further. Um, Beyond that, the Magic at 11, I mean, they constantly feel like they're in need of guards while also having too many guards. Like, they have Markel Fultz, they have uh, Cole Anthony. It feels like maybe their guard solution will be more of a veteran-type guard, whether it's they go make a trade for Jordan Poole or they end up in the Fred Van Vliet sweepstakes. Maybe they're not interested in adding another young guard to this team. They could just want to trade that pick entirely because the Magic are super young all over the place. But uh, they would certainly qualify as a team that could go draft Bufkin. I don't think you got to worry about the Thunder at 12. They're pretty set at guard. They have Josh Giddy, who's like a creator type. They got Lou Dort. They got Shea. Um, you know, they, they feel like they have like Trey Manns kicking around too. I don't know if he's any good, but he's there. And they feel like a team that's going to go for like one of these upside plays. I, I know our pal Raphael has been telegraphing or even Mark Stein, I think, has reported this. Maybe not Mark Stein. Uh, I think I'm confusing Substacks. I think it was Raphael kind of pointing out like, yeah, Bilal, Bilal Koulibaly at 12 to the Thunder feels like 
kind of a thing that's going to happen. Um, so there's that. Obviously, Koulibaly, someone we talked about with Raphael a couple weeks ago, is a potential Raptors guy at 13. I would just rather see them go for more of a proven guard type, uh, just personally speaking. Anyway, um, so yeah, I don't think you got to worry about the Thunder. If he gets past 11 with Orlando, there's a real chance he'll be there at 13 for the Raptors to scoop him up. And that would be, I think, the ideal situation here. It would be awesome if they were able to end up with Bufkin. As much as I love him and, and really think he'd be a good fit, I don't think he's the type of guy you need to like go trade up for on draft night. I feel like trading up on draft night often comes with like a really hefty premium to do so because it's in the moment that just sort of the market demands you got to pay to get things done when most teams are probably inclined to want to keep their picks. And so I, I don't think because of the number of guys who have the skills the Raptors need in some combination between 6 and 15 or so in this draft. I just I don't think you got to go and trade up for Buffkin here. I don't think he's like such a no-brainer perfect fit that it's like we, he's our guy and no one else will do the trick for us. There's plenty of other guys who offer similar skills, whether it's Grady Dick, whether it's Casey Wallace, whether it's Keontae George, Nick Smith, um, Jordan Hawkins. We'll get into all these guys. Again, all have different levels to their various skills they offer. Buffkin offers kind of the most skills and the highest supply right now but if he slips to 13 great if he doesn't then that means someone else is going to slip to 13 who I think he'll be very happy to take right there as well and instead of giving up more assets to move up for sort of what is going to be a marginal difference in terms of likelihood of high-end outcomes I suppose in the NBA that's kind of all I got on Kobe Bufkin I'm really in I really like Kobe Bufkin glad we started with him on this sort of individual players series and uh, I look forward to diving into more guys and seeing if I can have Kobe Bufkin knocked off the top of the list. But as it stands right now, my personal board at 13, we've only talked about one guy, but Kobe Bufkin's there and it's going to be tough to knock him out of that spot, I think. So we'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to talk about Kaysen Wallace, another one of my faves, maybe the guy with the best chance of knocking Bufkin off the top of my personal list. We'll get to that coming up tomorrow and uh, obviously we'll continue pre-draft stuff and coaching search talk and all this stuff as we continue on going forward into the offseason in the meantime please please join the locked on raptors discord server the link is in the description of the podcast it's super fun great little community we got building there super friendly super nice i'm trying to give away a pair of hamilton tiger cats tickets to people in there as well uh i don't think there's any hamiltonians in there but if you are from hamilton and want to join the you get free stuff sometimes it's great uh and so come hang out it's lovely and uh love having all the new folks in there seems like we got people joining every single day and loving it so join the lockdown raptors discord server to come and hang out we'll leave it there thank you support the podcast by subscribing rating reviewing and going to youtube and subscribing as well of course and we'll talk to you again on friday another episode of lockdown raptors if you talk case and wallace thanks for hanging everyone bye-bye